Welcome to the Maximus Podcast with your hosts, Joe Sabula and Bobby Maximus. Uh, today's episode is sponsored by Lalo Tactical, L-A-L-O.com. Use the code Maximus50 for 50% off uh, all their athletic shoes. We're also sponsored by 10,000, T-E-N-T-H-O-U-S-A-N-D.cc. Use the code Maximus15 for 15% off on, on some really damn good sports apparel. Um, we're through paying the bills, something we got to do. Super excited to have uh, a man. I'm only going to refer to him as one name, Bedros. Uh, you guys know who he is. He's one of our very favorites. Uh, if you don't know, uh, he is like a real-life Jack Reacher slash John Wick slash... Something else. You're into some fucking heavy stuff. So why don't why don't you intro yourself and tell us a little bit about you? Because you have a fucking crazy story, my man. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, thanks. So now me, Madonna, Cher, uh, we all we're all known by our first names now. Thanks to you, I appreciate that, Pedro. <laughs> you know, it's, um, it's actually when I when I mention you, I've never said your last name. I don't even know how it's pronounced. But when I'm like, hey, do you know Bedros? Everyone, I don't know another person named Bedros. I don't. I don't either. That's it's funny. You go to Google, you type in B E D, and it says Bedros. So in that way, I'm glad I got a fucked up name. By the way, is it okay to drop the F bomb? Yes. Everybody? Yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> um, we had. We had C.T. Fletcher on <laughs> and he he swore 300 times before he asked us if it was OK to swear. So yeah, you're I like, good. I like that. See, I only do it once. All right. So, uh, man, I'm the immigrant edge. Basically, I'm the immigrant dream. Uh, I, I, I can't believe that I was supposed to be. I'm right now. I'm supposed to be in Armenia, a former communist country, probably being a taxi cab driver or something. But had it not been for my dad in 1980 to. uh make the decision that he's going to bribe the communist government, Soviet Union, and we're going to escape. And I was uh, six years old when we escaped. Um, we went to the, we went to Italy. Uh, from there, we went to the American consult. And dude, my dad took 10 days to fill out the paperwork as a political refugee to bring us into the United States legally. And he was like, man, we're going to enter legally. We're going to serve that country and we're going to give back and we're going to have freedom and opportunity. And so I grew up dumpster diving. You know, we were broke. We were poor, didn't speak English, didn't understand the culture. I got bullied. Uh, dude, where I lived when we first moved, uh, it was Section 8 housing, Bobby. So <clears throat> that's government assisted housing. <clears throat> and so it's not the nicest parts of town, Santa Ana, California. And uh, like the Mexican gangs and the black gangs would always fight together. And all of a sudden this like, foreigner comes in and now these both of these fucking gangs are beating me up right and I'm like what the hell and so I had to learn to fight very quickly at a young age and uh, you know you're a fighter um and I'm not anywhere near your level but when you're street fighting you get your ass whooped a lot man like I've <laughs> I've I've gotten my ass whooped a lot you don't just learn on a mat like um like a like a smart fighter like you learn on concrete and so Anyway, we ate out of dumpsters. We we made by. My dad had three or four jobs, paper route, working at a pizzeria. We did whatever we had to. But uh, I'm just so grateful that I had all that adversity against me because I look at adversity, Bobby, as the resistance, same resistance. Like when we work out in the gym, the, the bench press or the barbell is resistance to grow our muscles. Adversity is the resistance to grow your mental toughness and then your emotional resilience. And I got that by spades. And I didn't realize it until I got into my 20s and realize that I'm just unstoppable at everything I do, even crime. I did get involved uh, in a little bit of crime and police helicopter chases, et cetera, straightened my life out. And uh, since I became a personal trainer, just been helping people um, 
get fit and live happy lives. And today we've got this big franchise brand with about 800 locations worldwide called Fit Body Bootcamp. And I can't believe I'm the CEO of that company. Yeah. I, I like how you refer to yourself as a personal trainer because you're, I mean, you're a lot more than that. You've got 800 franchise locations. You help people with, would you still do the business coaching thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I've got, yeah, I've got um, New York Times bestselling authors, NFL athletes, uh, Navy SEALs as private coaching clients. I've got some pretty, pretty badass private coaching clients who pay me an obscene amount of money to coach them and their businesses and help them scale their businesses like I've scaled our franchise. Um, I'm just grateful for them. And, and it's something I enjoy doing. I really believe this is my superpower is understanding how to take a business and scale it quickly. Love it. One of the things that I've loved with your messaging coming out lately, so I'll skip right to it, is with this COVID thing. Um, I've always known you to be a really upstanding, uh, you're pretty brash and outspoken, but you're a really humble guy, hardworking. Uh, you managed to pivot your whole business plan in what, 48 hours or something yeah. like that, I want to say? Yeah. 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 Tell me a little bit about that because I'm, I'm looking at everybody else and like Barry's boot camp, they're shutting down and canceling memberships and Soul Cycle and Orange Theory. And you're like, here's this one guy who fucking figured it out. And yeah. Well, but- Part of it is, is living paranoid. And when you come from a communist country and you've, you've always had to look over your shoulder uh, growing up because you don't want someone to beat you up, you kind of start living a paranoid life. And so I think it's because of that a lot of like special operators, special forces guys, cops and stuff are attracted to me because they're like, dude, you're just as paranoid as we are, but you've never been in our world. And it's because I come from communism and I come from Section 8 housing where you're always getting jumped if you're not looking over your shoulder and you're not walking around with your own pack. So. Um, I've always thought of the, like, there was another winter coming. In fact, on my podcast, the Empire Podcast, three years ago, I put up uh, a couple of episodes where I said, winter is coming. Are you prepared for winter? Any business can survive and thrive during summertime when the economy's good. But when winter comes, the economy takes a dump. What do you do? And believe it or not, I thought that was going to be one of my better episodes, dude. And it was one of my worst episodes. And because the economy was thriving, people were like, this guy's just being paranoid about, you know, finding an additional source of income, be prepared to pivot. Everything that I'm doing now and my franchisees are doing and my coaching clients are doing, I talked about two and a half, three years ago and it fell on deaf ears. And so because I was paranoid, as soon as this COVID thing came about and China, well, we know China's communist and they lie because I come from a communist country, whatever the numbers they were giving, I just 10 X it. I was like, okay, that means there's about a million people infected and not a couple thousand. Uh, okay. Check. Okay. Now Spain, now Italy, and we were running the project as word was getting out that, you know, this thing is starting to get serious around March 10, 11, 12. And um, I gave, I, I texted my VP and I said, hey, let's knock out, let, let's take two days and knock out some follow along videos. We knocked out some follow along videos in Fit Body Bootcamp locations here in town that we own, uh, that HQ owns. And then from there, I said, find a platform. We found Trainerize. Zoom and Facebook private groups to make the engagement live and fun. And because we saw a quarantine coming, started hearing about the National Guard spinning up. A few of my friends and the government texted me and said, hey, the National Guard's been spun up. They're on a holding pattern, but they've been asked to pack for 30 days. I was like, all right, if they're asking to be packed for a 30 day mission to hit the streets of our, our big cities, then they might want to keep us off the streets. So that was the 13th. By the 14th and 15th, we created the uh, follow along videos. By the 16th, we had the platforms, Trainerize, Zoom, and Facebook. And on the 17th, I announced to my franchisees, I said, guys, 
shut down your locations. This is a strong recommendation from me to you. Don't wait for your governors to tell you. And in the next 48 hours, they shut it down and they all pivoted, just like we, we coached them up into the online coaching platforms. And uh, the average Fit Body Bootcamp only lost 11% of their clients, uh, which was a really cool thing, man. So we got really fortunate. Wow, that's that's incredible. Yeah. Where, why do you think why do you think a lot of these companies are are sticking their head in the sand? Is that just like they have no work ethic? They they're they're paralyzed by fear. It's it's not that man. I understand it. See, they we don't live in a communist country right now. We don't. The U.S. is not communist, but understand that the politicians do have an agenda. There is a propaganda etc. And so when a politician tells me, and by the way, I voted for Trump. I don't care what people think. I voted for Trump because he's good for my economy and he's pro-military and I've got a lot of military friends and Hillary wasn't. So I voted for Trump for that reason. And when he's like, hey, we're going to get back to business by uh, Easter, right? Uh, April 12th. I'm like, bullshit. That's not going to happen. That's a political propaganda statement because it's an election year. So because I come from a country where the government cannot be trusted, and every time they opened their mouth, there was lies coming out. I just assume it's about 50% lies today coming out from our government. So I was like, all right, all these other franchises, businesses are taking the sit and wait approach because, hey, they just tell us in two weeks of lockdown or quarantine, whatever they want to call it, and we back in the business. I'm like, there's no way this is going to be two weeks. This will go on longer. And if it does, I want to be prepared. And if it doesn't, then I got a whole bunch of content I created and I could do something with it. So I think everyone else took the, I trust the government and I'll do what they say and sit and wait, where I took what they said and just, I always multiply by what anyone says by five or 10. Someone says they're rich, I multiply the other way. Like, show me, don't tell me. And if they said, you know, hey, you're gonna be fine. No, I'm not, you probably wanna kill me. And so I'm just paranoid in that way, a little panicky. And because of that, uh, they did the sit and wait approach. I did the fuck it. I'm going to do something about it and pivot to online coaching. How long do you think this thing's going to, cause I, I, I love your point of view, by the way, you and I are very similar in terms of how we think. Cause I've been telling Joe, we're not out of this shit till 2022. Mm-hmm. Yep. But what's, what's your guess? Cause I'm, I'm hearing like people want to reopen and I'm like, are you guys fucking nuts? We're going to be back in quarantine in two minutes. Yep. Yep. We will reopen and we will be back in quarantine and they will say, I told you so. Uh, but the reality is that they're, they're going to say, well, that was a better option than having people riding on the streets. I mean, already we're seeing people in Texas and Michigan starting to not riot, but get together and protest. And dude, I live in Southern California. And when here down the street in Newport beach and Huntington beach, liberals are getting together and protesting, you know, shit's about to go, go pop off. And so a protest is just one rock throw away from a riot. That's all it takes is one rock throw and a protest turns into a riot very quickly. I've seen that happen with the LA riots in the nineties because I live here. And so with that in mind, I think the government's mindset is like, look, all right, we, we, we kind of settled down on the spike of the COVID let's systematically phase by phase, let gyms open up and small businesses open up. Let's use precaution, et cetera. And we're using full on precaution. In fact, I've got a six page document here and I'll show this to you on the screen. I know our listeners can't see it, but you can see there's these boxes. These are eight by eight boxes, eight feet by eight feet. Fit body bootcamp locations that we're gonna um, limit the number of people that can work out at a time in an eight by eight space instead of rotating around in the gym and touching everything and and, uh, infecting Mm. everything. So we're changing the protocol, how they sanitize outside before they come in. Uh, A red holding center outside taped off where the next class is gonna wait. Um, 
But this thing is going to go for a while, Bobby. By end of summer, we might have some sense of normalcy in regular businesses. But dude, concerts, athletic events with like big venues, those aren't going to be open till my guess would be twenty mid-2021 if we're lucky. Movie theaters might be every third seat and every second row. Uh, and no one fucking get up and move or they're going to spray you down with Lysol. It would be one of those things. Uh, so it is, there is a whole new, new way of life coming for the next year and a half or two years. Anyone that thinks like after summer we're done, it's just a hopeful romantic. So if you're a business, I mean, what, what would be your advice on how to adapt to go under that assumption? Is that the single biggest thing people can do? Yeah. Like let's look worst case scenario, plan it out and away we go. Yeah. Why not accept the worst case scenario? What if like, what's wrong with accepting the worst case scenario and then going, Oh, okay. Worst case scenario didn't happen. So I just prepared a lot. Nothing wrong with that. Like if I'm going to go on a bench press competition and I'm going to say I'm going to bench 500 pounds, but if I prepare to the point where I could bench 700, Hey, the 500 is going to be easy. But in case someone out benches me, I can get to 600, 650. Like no one these days seems to want to over prepare over work. Everyone wants to do the fucking minimum and it irritates me. It pisses me off and I don't understand why in their hopeful romantic. So my thing is just operate under the assumption that this is a marathon. This is a long marathon. Nothing like this has ever existed. We're hearing now that it's lab produced. No one fucking undercooked a bat or gave a bat a fucking blow job. And all of a sudden, uh, the, the, the coat, come on, man. Right. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist, Bobby. I know we don't know each other that well. We, we broke bread a time or two, but come on, man. This is lab made. This shit's going to go on for a while. Vaccine. We don't know what that's going to be like. Is it going to work? So just buckle in for the marathon, build your business, your, your, your job your lifestyle around the marathon. And if it ends up feeling like a sprint, hey, cool, you just over-prepared. And if it doesn't, then you were ready. You know, Bobby, yeah. and, I, Bobby and I have often talked about, uh, like, what, what does it cost you? And that's kind of what I'm hearing here. Like, what does it cost you to go the extra mile, create this extra content, prepare for this online thing? And then, like you said, a week from now, everything's back to totally normal. Like, it didn't cost me anything but the time that I've got right now. So it seems like this is a no brainer. Like you should be doing everything you can to, to expand into this sort of brave new world. Uh, and, and the people who think that they're just going to wait this out and then everything's going to go back to what it was. I, I honestly don't think it is going to go back to what it was. I think that the whole playing field has changed now. Absolutely. What, what, right. what do you, what do you think it's, well, I, it might be hard to predict, but for, for say like the big box gyms that just shuttered up and are just waiting it's not like they're just going to open the doors and let people come back in. They're going to have to do this in phases. It's going to be really awkward. I don't, I don't foresee the the general population of like a, a big box gym wanting to like one at a time come through the door and to get their, their temperature taken and, and to be examined and okay, you're allowed in this space, but you're not allowed in that space. Or if your, your social security number ends in an even number, you can come on a Tuesday or what have you like, I I think the whole thing has changed it. it, You know, Joe, it will be a lot of that. It will be one of those things where if your social security number ends with this, then you're coming on these days at this time, or it might be you log on to their website and you schedule the time that you're coming in and they limit it by 20 people and that's it. And you know, there's a rotation of people that come in um, and make no mistake about it, that there's going to be high levels of sanitation required on your way in high levels of sanitation required on on your way out that you're still gonna sign, like we're already crafting a liability release saying that when Fit Body Boot Camps open up, you agree that you are now at risk of the COVID-19 virus, even though we've taken all these precautions that a client 
might still carry it in here and that it's not our fault on top of all the other risks of being a gym. And so we'll be signing new releases. We'll be doing like the big box gym where you could just go, fuck it. It's a 24 hour fitness. I could walk in whenever I want. Those days are gone for a very long time, like well over a year. Um, even like, Hey bro, let me spot you. Or someone leaves a sweat stain. Now it's like walking into a grocery store without a mask. Like someone's going to like get it all up on you about that. Um, there is no, can I work in with you? All those things are changing now and we've either got to adapt to it or it's going to be one of those things where we're just going to like be big babies about it and cry. So I say adapt and overcome. Yeah. And, so, I, and I think too, that the economic impact of that is, is yet to be uh, even considered in a lot of cases, because with, with all these new precautions that are going to have to be in place, like you said, just the change in culture of, of what a big box gym can handle or a 24 hour gym can handle, they're not going to be able to maintain the same member base, you yeah. know? And, and, and so there's not going to be as much money. So the overhead is going to be the same because they still have these giant facilities. They still have trainers to pay. And so it's going to be fewer trainers, fewer members, still the same expenses. I, I don't think anybody's taken that into account. And by the way, and this is what we shared to our fit body owners that prepare to increase your cleaning expenses by five X. The fact that you're going to have to use at the end of the day, foggers, right? Sanitizing foggers, not mist, because we don't want it to be wet on the floors. And these foggers are like $27 a bottle and they're being jacked up in price. The fact that you're using Clorox and water cleaning after every workout session or class, um, and if you're a big box gym, I bet every 60 minutes, you're taking a 20 minute hiatus where there's going to be employees cleaning the fuck out of that place, fogging it, opening up the doors, airing it out, and then letting the next group in. That's where we're headed because could you imagine the lawsuits, number one, uh, and number two, the flare-ups that we might get, which is going to have an even bigger economic uh, kind of burden on as a whole, not just on that one gym, right? But yeah, gyms are, dude, I heard like 24 Fitness is already filing for chapter 11 bankruptcy and LA Fitness is looking to shut down 20, 30 of their uh, least popular locations and the, the CrossFit has some 30% of the gyms that vowed to not reopen. It's heartbreaking, man, because um, something like this has never happened. We're used to the housing market crashing. We're used to the stock market crashing. Fuck, we even got used to two giant fucking airplanes hitting the World Trade Center. And putting us into war. We never thought, at least I never did. Obviously there was that uh, Bill Gates thing, uh, uh, the Ted talk where he literally described what happens, but he's far smarter than my pay grade is. And I was like, motherfucker, he talked about it. And no one was like, Hey Bill, come here. Let me talk to you for a minute. Are we prepared? I don't know if I were a president, I'd be like, Hey, listen, the off chance this happens and I'm a paranoid motherfucker. Are we prepared as a country? And he might say no. And I might say, then what do we do? Uh, you got a year to help us figure it out. Smart guy. And that's it. But I don't, it just fell on deaf ears because people are like, that's not likely to happen. A, a bat fucking a pig getting eaten by a human. And then before you know it, this thing is spread across the world. Boy, his prediction was, a, fuck, a bat fucked a pig and then a human ate it. That's that, was, it that was Bill Gates' uh, prediction. He was like, he was very specific. I'm impressed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe he didn't say that exact thing, but you get it. Pretty close. You know, though, you know, the Baders, it's funny you say that because now I'm seeing all these videos. There's one of Bush that's getting circulated, and there's one of Barack Obama getting circulated, and they're almost like, clone speeches like Obama went to George Bush's speech and copied it point for point. And I've it, seen that. I've seen that like five years ago. And then like 2001 and it's like a pandemic's going to come. It's going to be airborne. We need infrastructure. 
If we don't, we're fucked. It's like we've known about this for a long ass time. And dude, I'll tell you what the sad thing is, Bobby, is that all all of those guys and gals predicted that it would come likely from China. And when you look at where all the first responder masks and clothing and barriers are made in China. Um, Mm -hmm. Now that I'm 45, I think more about like supply chains and all that stuff. I don't just think like a 30 year old marketer who wants to make money and fucking live my life. I think about the global economic health. I think about the social responsibilities that I have. Uh, I even think about what I post up there and what kind of impact is it going to have on people? And um, I used to not think like that, man. But if if people, if, if George Bush was talking about it, if Barack talked about it, if Bill Gates talked about it, someone had a goddamn responsibility to just say, can someone take a couple of weeks and see if we're prepared if this happens? And if it does, or can we get anything else other than from China? And if no, what do we do? Right. The fact that Jocko had to uh, I got an email from Jocko. He was checking in on us. He goes, dude, what are you doing with your fit body? I go, we pivoted. We're fine. I go, what are you doing with your uh, with origin? He goes, well, we're not making geese. We're making face masks. And a a guy who should be making jujitsu geese is making face masks, uh, which is great. And Ford is making ventilators and GM is making ventilators. Maybe we should have been better prepared. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I, I, I get it now. Now, on that note. Uh, I'm a fighter. So if someone drops their hands, I'm not exactly like feeling bad for them. I'm going to knock them the fuck out. So in a way, is there a party that's kind of like, I think you're in a good position. I mean, I'll say it bluntly, these big box gyms, they can't afford 30 grand in rent in a month. They're going to shut down. They're going to be going to your place looking for them. So yeah. We, we are in a good position. That said, we selfishly said, uh, Bobby, we are in a good position. We have our, on our websites, we sell the 28 Days Stronger Together Challenge, uh, which is an at-home workout that we also pivoted. That's the workout that we pivoted to. Dude, we're selling hundreds of that a week with zero traffic bot. Like, it's just people are saying, I can't work out at a Fit Body Bootcamp. My gyms aren't open. Word's gotten out that Fit Body Bootcamp has an online coaching program that's live and follow along, and people are buying it every day, dozens dozens, sometimes hundreds a day. And what's going to happen when gyms do go back to being open, those who didn't make the pivot, they ran out of the money. Cause again, the government was going to do the cares act and et cetera. We were all going to get the PPP program, payroll protection program, 10 grand. And then it got down to, well, if you have this many employees, it might just be four grand, but if you don't meet the requirements and you got to send the money back and all the strings got attached. And we see now that Shake Shack and Penske and fucking Harvard got $10 million a piece when that money was for small businesses. And my point is you can't look, there's no man on the white horse that's going to gallop in and save the day, but everybody keeps looking for the man for the white horse sits around and doesn't do anything, takes the wait and see approach. And while they're doing that, I'm being predatory, just like you, you know, the businesses that are putting their hands down, I'm punching them in the face and I can't say which company, but there's a boot camp brand out there. Uh, this got about 300 and some odd locations reached out to us and said, Hey, uh, we might be in a position to sell. Would you be interested in buying us and, uh, rebranding our locations as Fitbody? And so now we're talking about that. Love it. Why do you think, so understand I come from Canada, which is pretty much a socialist Republic. That's what everyone in the States thinks. <laughs> and, and I'm getting word from home that everyone's just handling business fine. Uh, when you look at America, it's built on the idea that you're going to, you're going to do the right thing. You're going to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You're going to get to work. No one's going to save you. Why does everyone have that mentality now? Where's that come from? Um, well, look, look where America came from, right? Uh, you know, the UK under 
pretty socialist rules. Let's let's be honest. It was you know the king's rule, and so it was the wild west moving here. And so it was like, hey, if something's going to get done, it's going to get done by us. So I think the mindset of the American, which I'm attracted to, to be honest with you, because coming from a very socialist country, uh, the Soviet Union, I want that freedom. I want that liberties. I want the opportunities. I don't want anyone to tell me what to do. Don't fucking, uh, you know, tell me that only one person can be in an elevator. If I'm OK walking into a grocery store without a mask, don't tell me I got to wear a mask or don't make me. Uh, and to be honest with you, I've yet to wear a mask. Um, it's just my own thing. I believe my system could fight off the COVID. And I do believe that I'm not around anyone else. I'm here at headquarters with three or four of my leadership team. And that's it. All 50 of our team members work from home until further notice. And I go home and to my gym and here, that's it. I've got my own private gym. You've seen it. And so it's not like I'm affecting anyone there. It's just me and my family working out there. So I share that with you because that's the American mindset. And in some ways I'm like, ah, and in other ways, when I see people out and about and protesting, I'm like, you fucking idiots, like, stop it, like, stop it. So yeah. I'm torn, man. Like, let's not, let's not push this any longer, but, but on the flip side, let's not make anyone wear a mask if they don't yeah. want. But, but my thing is, that's not what it's playing out to be. People are like waiting for it to get rescued. And that is so, I think of that as anti-American. Uh, I like, do, you need to, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like people got their hand out waiting to get rescued and they're just paralyzed yeah, well, that's also part of the pussification of, of, of society, right? That's really what it is. It's the pussification of society. And there's that phrase that says, um, good times create weak men, weak men create bad times, bad times create uh, strong men, strong men create good times. Well, you know, the, the, the cycle continues. And so now we're at the, the weak times where we're going to create some strong men and women. But yeah, people have gotten pussified a lot. The millennials certainly didn't help the caused by wanting a good culture everywhere they went, you know? Um, so there's a level of pacification, but I also like the fact that I get to see people who are just like, fuck it. I believe my American rights and I'm going to be out there without a face mask or whatever. And I'm one of those people. So what, what should people be doing? Like if you got a, you got people at home that are paralyzed, what's your business coach? What's your number one piece of advice to get a new line of work yeah. to go out and make shit happen or just wait for your unemployment to roll in? Don't wait for unemployment to roll in because there's always strings attached, man. Always strings. Even if the money comes in, down the line, you're going to have inflation and your Snickers bar is going to cost $18, $18 or something. You know, the roll of toilet paper will be 26 bucks. So you're going to pay for it later anyway. So I, I, in fact, I put up a post today. I said, if you're an entrepreneur and your business isn't working right now, find where the money went. Because money doesn't disappear, guys. Money does not disappear in any economic crisis. It just exchanges hands. Everyone at Zoom right now is making a ton of money. Like everyone, even like the customer support rep is making more money because they're working overtime. Everyone at Amazon is making more money. Everyone at Netflix is making more money. Even the new Amazon driver that started yesterday is working overtime, getting overpaid. And I share that because the money still exists. It's just exchanged hands. We got to figure out who's got the money and what problems do they have that we can solve? That's all an entrepreneur is. Who's got the money and what problems do they have that I can solve? If I can solve your problem, you'll give me the money. And if you are not an entrepreneur, you had a job or a career and you don't have that now, the number one thing you can do to get back in the workforce very quickly is to figure out how to sell over the phone. Like if you can learn sales skills on YouTube for free in the next 24 hours and you could, uh, instead of Netflix and chilling like every other motherfucker, they should maybe <laughs> go and watch you know some sales videos on YouTube for free, Bobby, in 24 hours, there'll be a decent phone closer. People like me are hiring phone closers to close people on coaching programs and franchises over the phone. 
so salespeople will always make commission, uh, but they're like, but I've got a degree in biomechanics. No one's buying biomechanics right now, motherfucker. That's the thing, right? Learn to sell. Everyone's going to buy something. It's just not your thing right now. Got it. Now on that note, I was creeping on one of your lives um, the other day. And you were talking about the things that sell versus the things that don't. And, and I can't remember how you worded it, but I think you said that sex sells, getting people fit sells, and not getting people laid because that's the same thing. It's sex, fitness, and money. In other words, I'll help you make more money. I'll help you get laid or find a spouse. And I'll help you get fit or lose fat. Those are called hard offers. And I'm glad yeah. you brought that up. Like if you have, like you've got a, an ability to deliver a hard offer, you can help anyone as long as they're willing to do the work, get fit, lose fat. You've got that ability. So you've got the ability to make money. But when someone's like a soft offer on the other hand is, well, I can help you uh, organize your life. I can be your life coach and teach you how to prioritize. I can teach you how to be a better leader, how to meditate. Those are soft offers. They're not going to, they're going to produce an outcome down the road. People don't have that kind of down the road time right now. They're like, I just want to get laid. I want to, I want to lose weight or, or I want to make money. Give me one of those three. Those are hard offers. And that's what we should be selling right now. Love it. Um, if you do have a soft offer, then is it time to somehow convert it to a hard offer or just leave it on the back burner for a little bit? Because I'll, oh, I'll no. tell you where I'm coming from. I yeah. have a course I developed called the Maximus Mindset. Um, it's stress relief, sleep, nutrition, dealing with uh, self-imposed limitations, negative self-talk, but it's more on the soft offer side because you got to do something with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, a great example. So let's, let's do a little mock coaching program. So I would say, Hey, Bobby Maximus, you've got a soft offer, but we both know that it's going to produce an outcome, but no one's looking for a soft offer right now. So you would still offer that, sell that, but the offer would be the copy, the, the, the thing that the buyer is going to get, you would say, all right, when you go through this course, you're going to learn how to make more money or maybe it's lose weight. I would say probably fitness. So I would attach a fitness element to it, right? You know, the, the, the Bobby Maximus six week challenge. So you sell them what they want, which is, Hey, right now you can't control your money. You can't control your mindset. You can't control who you're going to have sex with, but you can certainly control the health and fitness, your, your body. And so get the Bobby Maximus six week extreme home challenge and when you get it, it comes with all these other bonuses. So you sell them what they want, the ability to control their fitness, and, and through that, you give them what they need, which is all the other stuff, the soft offer, which will, and by the way, all I do is sell soft offers. I just have the front end as a hard offer. Make more money. Be a fucking, uh, uh, um, be a fucking hard-bodied, you know, jack person. But as soon as they sign up with me, yeah, they get the workouts or they'll get the, they'll, they'll, they'll get the how to make money, but there's so much mindset that we're giving them, leadership, mindset, problem solving, decision making. Those are all soft offers that I sell. Yeah, so you're just repackaging it. It's mm -hmm. the same thing. You're yeah. just pitching it a different way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, pitching it a different way. Yeah, I love that. Now, another thing that comes up is you seem like a real go-getter and, and there's like a big self-confidence that you've got. What's, what's the number one piece of advice you give to not confident people? People that aren't confident asking for a price. I'll give you an example. I'm a, I'm a Canadian. It's rooted in my blood. I know. You got to be humble. <laughs> if you're worth 5,000, you ask for a thousand. You, yeah. Yeah. this is a very common problem I get asked where trainers 
They undervalue themselves. No. They're, they're worth a thousand bucks, but they ain't going to ask for that. Yeah. How, how well, do you fix that if you have that problem? You're right. That is a confidence issue, but I'll, I'll start here. First of all, we should all understand that the more people pay, the more they pay attention. I've got two high level coaching programs that are masterminds, which are in a group. And uh, twice in my life, some people like really tugged at my heartstring and I was like, you know what? You don't have to pay the $50,000 coaching price. You can join the mastermind for free. I'm going to give you a scholarship into the empire mastermind. Both of those people, two different times, like four years apart, Bobby, one came to two of the masterminds, never took advantage of the coaching calls. The other one came to one mastermind and dropped out. And that was it free because no one values free. When people pay more, they pay attention. You know, you, you buy a Rolls Royce, you will change the tire, the oil, the whatever you need to do, wash it daily, garage it. You buy a used car, you're just going to piss in it. That's just how it is. So, so one, understand that the more people pay, the more they pay attention. And then confidence comes from stacking wins, or as my friend Ed Milet says, and I have to give him credit to this, when you make a promise to yourself and you keep that promise, and then you make another promise and you keep another promise, just another way of saying stacking wins. I say stacking wins. He says, make a promise and keep a promise. And the example I give uh, in my book is uh, at night, we all set our alarm on our iPhone. You know, I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m. or whatever. And 5 a.m., the alarm goes off. If I hit the snooze button just to get 10 more minutes of sleep, I'm telling my subconscious mind that I choose 10 more minutes of interrupted sleep over waking up and dominating my path, living my purpose, my passion. And the other thing I did is I had made a promise and I broke the first promise of the day to myself by hitting snooze. So now if I said I'm going to wake up and then drink 30 ounces of water, well, maybe I'll just drink a cup of water and have coffee and a waffle instead of following it up the protein shake. Like you hit one domino on the L side of things, the whole bunch of dominoes start falling on the loss. You get one win, you're going to stack another and another and another. So it's all about stacking wins builds confidence because you tell your subconscious mind, your subconscious mind goes, this motherfucker does anything he puts his mind to because he makes a promise he keeps it. Therefore, when he says he's going to go and get a client for $5,000, by God, he's going to go do it. Love it. Now, listening to you, you brought up Ed Milet. You remind me of him. You remind me of Jocko, Andy Frisella. You guys are all cut from the same kind of kind of cloth. Who does, who does Bedros look up to? Cause I know you still learn. I know you still search for inspiration. Sure. What kind of people can you point us to that you look up to? Uh, dude, uh, I, I look up, for example, when you texted me, I don't know, a week ago and you're like, what did you like? 200 some odd bench presses, right? With two two twenty five. What was that number? It was 249 and it fucking sucked, but thanks for kicking salt in my wound. No, no, no. no you are, you are Canadian, man. Oh, I'm trying to give you a compliment, bro. Oh, right? sorry, sorry. Like, like, I'm like, holy shit. All right. So I got to do something just as bananas. So I look up to you where that's concerned. I look up to you, Ed Milet. The man articulates words so well and English being a second language for me, I really want to be a master at the language. And I look up, look up at, at people like Dan Fleischman. You know, you look at him, he's just a wiry guy. Some people say he looks like a crackhead, but that guy can see an opportunity where there's like five layers deep. And I'm like, fuck, Dan, how do you do that? So everyone's got a superpower, like the people around me that I connect with. I look up to The Rock. How can he just keep getting better? How can he keep getting better? Oprah Winfrey, how does she keep reinventing herself? And so I take elements from all those people and uh, Tom Billiou, the fact that he was like, you know what? I don't like software. I don't like technology. He gave the portion of his company away to his business partners, but they're like, dude, we love you so much. We want to do what you're passionate about. He goes, well, my mom and, and my sister are fat. 
So I want to create a protein bar that tastes like a Snickers bar so my fat mom and my fat sister can eat it. Quest Bar was created. And then he did Quest Bar and he goes, okay, I'm cashing out. I'm done. I've always wanted to write a comic book. Fuck it. I'm going to go write it. How does that guy have the balls to go from different industries chasing his passion as he grows and evolves? I want that. So I go, what is he doing? And I watch him and I break bread with him and I go to events and I, and I'll hire them if I need to. Like I've hired plenty of coaches still have got a coach right now. Uh, Joel Weldon, uh, hall of fame speaker. And he's a speaking coach. Um, MMA before this whole Corona thing, uh, Peter Sutton. Um, I don't know if you know of Peter Sutton or not bald headed dude, three third degree black belt, won a lot of tournaments in jujitsu he'd come to my gym and, and we'd roll twice a week. And I was actually getting decent. And I had this excitement that, man, how cool would it be if, cause I never joined a school, I'll never become a black belt. But what if one day after a decade, I'll have black belt talent, but I'll be the only white belt with a black belt talent. Like I was excited about that. And then COVID hit, but I, I text with him and I, so like, he's so good. He's 170 pounds. I'm 230. And you know this, he slithers around me. And while he's up, you know, I feel something on my leg before I know it, I'm being choked out. I'm like, how do I do that? Like, so cool. Uh, so yeah, a lot of mentors that I look up to, uh, cause I show up with a white belt mentality. And I've learned that from my dad. Like there's always someone smarter than you in the room, find them and attach yourself to them. Love it. What's your attitude on social media? Like it? hate it. You make your living off it, but a lot of people have this love hate thing going on. Yeah. I, I like it because I don't look for validation from social media. Like all I care for is that my wife loves me, that my kids love me, my two kids, Andrew and, and Chloe. And that's it. It's the only validation I'm looking for. So if I put up a post and it bombs, I don't give a fuck. If I put up a post and it, and it flies off the handle, I don't give a fuck tomorrow. I'm putting up another post anyway. It doesn't matter. So people who look for approval and validation, it's like drinking from a hollow well, man. You're never going to quench that thirst. Nice. Love it. I got a bunch of random questions. Just a few more, though. What sure. do you do for your fitness? You mentioned you work out a couple times a day. Yeah. What, the, what are you aiming for now or what are your goals? Uh, my, my goals these days is just to not get hurt. Not, not get hurt, Bobby. I, like, I hesitantly want to go like, you know, I should tell Bobby when you come out here one day, we should roll. But man, you better be gentle with me because man, I, I, I don't bend like I used to, bro. So, you know, I want to roll with you. I want you to teach me what you know. But uh, my goal today is to not get hurt. But I, I'm 45 and, I, and I've got abs and I just want to look the part, but I also want to be functional. So I train like a meathead in the morning. And then at night, we do a real treacherous three to five mile hike through the hills in Chino Hills here uh, at night with the family. And it's great bonding time. Um, and so those are the two workouts a day that I do. It's just always two workouts. On Sundays, it's always legs. I just, I go to church, uh, meaning the gym, and it's just legs. I, the wife can't be with me. The kids can't be with me. It's just me and very dark thoughts. Uh, I've, I've had a real fucked up childhood, and I just bring all those thoughts up, and I just punish my legs. This last Sunday, I did 1,000 reps with the VP of uh, my supplement company, Aaron. I put up a post about it. Uh, I'm still crippled, man, and today's Wednesday, and I've got pretty meaty legs. Um, so I, I just like, but I like to be big, lean, and functional. And so, uh, as long, but I don't want to get hurt. <laughs> Fair enough. When are you, when are you, because we had dinner with him, when are you going to do legs with Michael Hearn? Because he oh was like, you want to come Saturday at like 3 a.m. to do legs. And I'm like, fuck no, I don't, Mike. I well, want nothing I, to do with that. I, I, I talked him into coming to BK Strength and to my gym and doing it. So we did, I did, le I did shoulders with him at Venice. Uh, and then I did legs with him at BK Strength. That was actually was him and Todd uh, Todd Abrams from Icon. 
Yep. Um, and holy fuck, dude, it it sucked. It would just it sucked. But I'm like, you know what? All right, tough guy. You talk about you know deal with the suck factor and and put yourself through adversity. Well, here you go. This guy's a pro at torturing the muscles. Go, Mike. And I didn't know how many sets, how many reps we got left, how much weight. Like he programmed it, and I went through it, but it was horrible. Yeah, he he asked me to come meet him at like three in the morning, and so I, I YouTubed Michael Hearn leg day, and I watched him squat three fifteen for like seventy reps. I'm like, no, I'm out. I'm good. I am not fucking showing up. I'm 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 finished. It reminds me of you like this, Bedros. Do you know who Eddie Hall is? No. He's the world's strongest man. He's okay. the only person on the planet to deadlift five hundred kilos. Wow. So he's like my internet buddy. He respects me for, I don't know why he's fucking like, you should come work out with me. So I show up and I work out with him. He hands me 200 kilo dumbbells and he goes, do a set of 40 of shoulder presses to warm up. And I go, Eddie, I, I can't fucking do that once. And he looked sad like a puppy. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, but I thought you were Bobby Maximus and you were strong. Okay. I'm out of here. Some of these guys, are, well, Michael Hearn reminds me of that. Just so you know, the way you feel about Michael Hearn on that leg day is how I feel about like asking you to like come roll with me when this COVID's over. It's like, uh, I want to, but should I? I'll take, I'll take you out. So that'll be a good segue to the end of this podcast. You're a paranoid motherfucker and you get worried. So when I send you random texts yeah. saying I'm going to choke you out or, or beat you down, <laughs> are, you, are you like, you know how you talk about the rich people, you either go up or down. Do yeah. you like, you like laugh at that and assume it's a joke or are you in your safe room holding a rifle? No, no, I got, I got a Glock 43 right there. And I'm like, all right, how, how quick can I get to the Glock and put a couple rounds in it? <laughs> and I just got to know this, you know, Bedros, I, I got to say you're someone uh, we really look up to. Um, love your spirit, love your energy, uh, especially kind of that underdog story. You didn't come from a lot. And I uh, just want to say, I really appreciate how humble and down to earth that you've stayed and it shows through in everything you do. So I absolutely love what you do. You have a, you have a huge heart and uh, I've loved seeing you on Fox news, love seeing you on your lives in the media and how you pivoted everything. It doesn't surprise me at all. You were actually someone when this stuff went down, people were asking me what I thought. I'm like, I don't know. Baders will be good. If I can figure something out, yeah. go ask him. So, yeah. Well, I appreciate all the kind words, man. And uh, you know what? My dad is alive and well. He's 86 years old. And if I even chose to be anything other than humble, he would still backhand me like the communist that he is, man. And did so, he, when you said you were getting into fitness, did that man beat you within an inch of your life? Oh my God, dude. He yelled at me. He was like, <laughs> I was supposed to be the first one to go to college and graduate. It was awful. I, I moved in with my sister because we got into such a fight, dude. It's like, the, it, our means are like the big fat Greek wedding. If you ever watch that show. Yep. Like what the dad says everyone has to do. And I was the one that did some, I, I, he's like, why would people pay you when they already have a gym membership and the machines are there? I'm like, dad, just, just wait a few years. You'll see. And, and now of course I paid off his house and he's got a driver named Hugo full time and he loves it. So he's come around because it's, yeah, 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 it's funny. Yeah. There's these, there's an Armenian family at our martial arts studio and the kids are, they're in violin practice after school. Then they go to a math tutor and then they go to martial arts practice and they go to another math tutor. And I'm like, Wonder how Bedros' talk with his dad went when he said, "I'm kind of like a fart in church." Be a personal trainer, Bedros has been awesome. Um, thank you so much for your time. This has been great. Thanks, Bobby. Appreciate it, and thank you. Great meeting you, Joe. Likewise, likewise. Because you're the last of a dying. Breed.